Welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast, the podcast in which Stephen Altrogi, Barnabas Piper, and Ted Cluck cheerfully rant about all the things that don't matter all that much. And now, buckle up for today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I think this is episode number 54. Uh, I'm Stephen Altrogi, the host, along with my co-hosts. Ted Cluck, Barnabas, Piper. Uh, guys, it's been a busy week for all of us. Ted, teaching at Union is in full swing. Uh, how was week number one? Oh, it was amazing, man. It was great. I have uh, I have amazing students. Um, and as we've uh, mentioned before, I have a great office. So the, those two things have really combined to make it uh, a great week. And our 54th episode, which, you know, as anybody in the radio slash podcast business knows, 54 is really special. Now, you so guys, I'm, just, I'm glad you, yeah. you brought attention to that. And if we get to 100 episodes, uh, and this is kind of standard sitcom stuff, but I think mm-hmm. it applies here. If we get to 100 episodes, we can basically retire and go. the show can go into syndication. That would be great. Yeah, I mean, by that point, you know, we will have made like two point five thousand dollars. You know, <laughs> we can just live off the fat of that uh, of that windfall for the rest of our lives, guys. Think about that. You know, <laughs> I mean, if if you drop that in an account and start getting like point oh two percent compound interest on it, mm-hmm. I mean, you may yeah. be able to buy a car by the time you retire. Dude, forget about it, man. Now you're talking crazy. This is turning. Know? This is turning into like one of those accounting lessons I had, like in high school. Yeah, like you were clearly homeschooled because nobody else got accounting in high school. Maybe it was college. It, uh, you were clearly homeschooled in college because <laughs> I was a bit. You are. I was a <laughs> because of how you are. Because yeah. of how I. Because uh, of your personality. <laughs> because of my stiff, like socially awkward personality that's clearly yeah. well thanks i appreciate that uh ted i i'm curious for you now as a professor i i had kind of like two kind of opening week professors in college mm-hmm. one was like the i've been doing this way too long professor who oh, nice yeah you know it was the guy who for the first week he somehow managed to drag the syllabus explanation out into two classes oh yeah and uh then you watched like an intro video to the class. Oh yeah. Then yeah. there was the other guy who was it kind of went either one way or another. It, it was either a really young guy who was like eager to like make a mark or it was the guy who was just like I hate students. And <laughs> that kind of professor would always assign homework on day 1 of oh, class. Oh yeah. Yeah. So which where do you fall in that spectrum? Dude, I can honestly say I hope that I'm neither guy, you know, and I feel like Assigned homework on the first day often goes with like completely bitter, jaded, broken down, <laughs> you know, guy who's mad that he never accomplished anything in industry and, you know, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, those two things are <laughs> yeah. hand in hand. The guy who's yeah. been like sitting on a book manuscript for 20 yeah. years that he the guy wrote. Who's been like, I know all this theory, but no one will buy my book. Dang it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm either guy, man. I, my first days are, are, you know, I go through the syllabus as fast as possible because I, I figure that's the most boring part. And then it's, uh, it's also the part that they ought to be able to read. That's why you yeah, give it to them. Yeah. And being that I teach a journalism class, usually on the first day, I, I interview my students. So um, I like I just, that. It's like yeah, a, just, it's like immersive teaching. It is. Yeah. I just interview everyone. We we chat like gentlemen, and uh, and then it, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the uh, the semester. So it's a, it's a good vibe, man. I enjoy it. 
Do you now? Do, are you one of those professors that like tries way too hard to like get in with his students and be cool with his students? Do you ever have? Uh, if I if I was that kind of professor, I probably a wouldn't be aware of it and b wouldn't admit <laughs> to it. But yeah, I probably am. Do you remember that uh, episode of The Office where Michael keeps trying to get invited to the party at Jim's house? And, Dude, of course, man. And he goes into the break room, and everyone's eating lunch, and he sits down to eat lunch with them, and he's <laughs> like. You know what was the best in college? The parties. Man, like everybody was invited. <laughs> professors, students. And then someone was like, the professors got invited to the parties? That, so that that's kind of what I imagine you like with your students, kind of like Michael Scott with your students. Yeah, on the first day I just ask, can I go to the parties? You know, I just I cut through all the subtlety. <laughs> it, it, is a, it is a Baptist school. Which yeah. means the party means something entirely different there than it does most places. It the involves party means like we're we're eating pizza and playing Settlers of Catan. <laughs> so it, it would actually be fine for me to be there. It's a Scrabble tournament. That's yeah. right. Yeah, Welsh's grape juice is the hardest thing in the drink menu. Exactly. Oh, that's brilliant! Brilliant. All right. Well, we got some uh, some fun topics to talk about today. First up on the list. Uh, I can't remember if this was a listener suggested one or not, but it's in the news and. A lot of people are inordinately outraged about it. I don't know. At least strikes me as inordinate, but I could be wrong. Um, Target recently announced that they are taking off uh, the gender labels. Is it for their toy aisles, Barnabas? I think it's the toy aisles. Yeah, toy I think aisles. it's yeah, it's just specifically toys. So I think they will still have boys and girls clothes, just not toys. So mm. like it's it, it's no longer uh, politically correct to say a, a dump truck is a boy a toy for boys. Um, right. So that's, you know, Target is... a is, toy for those who like trucks. Right. It's a toy for those who like dump trucks, most of whom will be boys, but hey, let's not, let's not push it too far. So Barnabas, as a, as a dad of, of two girls and you're on the internet a fair amount, first of all, did you see any outrage on the internet about this subject? <laughs> yes, but it, it made me laugh. Um, because it seems to me that people think that their children figure out their gender by what Target's toys tell them. So based on that assumption, my girls will no longer know that they are girls starting as, at the moment that the Barbie dolls become gender-neutral toys because they won't know where to look for toys. They will no longer know what they like. They won't have any preference. They won't know how to self-identify or otherwise identify. It's really going to be a chaotic experience, I think. And you as the parent really aren't going to know what toys to get them because yeah i mean it looks like i'm just going to have to just like stick to t-shirts and things because those are still labeled now let me ask a question honestly like okay why do you think there is such outrage i get i don't know it's it's limited to certain circles but why do you feel like people are so outraged about this because obviously it- for you and me it it seems a little silly i think people are outraged because it is peripherally related to all of the other sort of uh, gender confusion and and just sort of doing away with with anything related to manhood, womanhood, specific genders. You know, the whole we, there's the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing. There's just all of these things going on where traditional gender understanding, and I don't mean like gender roles, but just like understanding of God created them male and female, is being done away with. And I think that's I think that's true. But the fact that Target decided to to take the labels off toys to me is not sort of the straw that broke the camel's back. It was sort of more just like a, 
kids still know what they like. And they're going to go to the G.I. Joes or the Barbies. They're going to go to the footballs or they're going to go to the tennis rackets. Like, they don't really care. And they're going to pick the colors that they like, too. But you know what? Kids already do that. Like, my daughters will pick out a (laughs) blue toy or a blue shirt if they like blue more than pink. And that's okay. So that... This, this to me, seems to be lumped in with a larger cultural issue, and, and people are looking at it as, like, the latest symptom of America going to hell, and I'm just kind of like, this is not that big of a deal compared to some other issues. Compared to, like, all these horrendous, like, Planned Parenthood things. Yeah. I mean, they're like, it's, yeah, you're right, it does seem out of proportion. Let's devote our outrage to the death of innocent babies. I think that's a... Uh, I think that's a place that deserves all that we can give it and more. And Target saying that these are children's toys instead of boys' or girls' toys, it doesn't rank. Plus, I mean, it's... Yeah, I I think you're really right when it's like that decision by Target really has zero bearing on my children and what they do. Like, my kids, my girls, they, they don't... Honestly, they don't even know, I don't think, that, like, the the toys are broken down into boy and girl or were broken down. They just know where they want to go. They want to go to the Barbie aisle for my, my kids. Yeah. And I mean, Ted, Ted is the, is the one of us who is raising boys. And so he can speak to the other side of this coin, but I don't think I ever taught my children to like certain toys. I'm Mm. sure that subtly I influenced them, but like I never made them play with dolls and dresses and princess things. That was the stuff they sprinted to when they got into Toys R Us. Like they they don't they didn't like the movie Cars. They loved the movie Frozen. Like mm. <laughs> this just happened. I did not tell them to do this, which means that this whole Target thing just kind of makes me shrug and go, "Okay, they're still going to like the same things." Ted, do you, did you see the same thing in your boys growing up? Dude, totally. For example, like we are not gun people. I mean, sort of. <laughs> this having, is exactly what my parents said too. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, having having guns, like being gun people, being into all that, like that. That's not even on our radar. I mean, no offense to to people who are, but my boys love guns, man. They wanted airsoft guns. They want, you know, Nerf guns. They want every kind of gun you can get your hands on because they're <laughs> little boys, you know. And so, and they and when they were five, they turned everything <laughs> into a gun. I mean, it oh, was like. Absolutely, the piece of toast, stick. the pop yeah. tart, the you know, yeah. and if, exactly. I mean, I did the same thing, and yeah. I had older brothers, and so I'm sure I was influenced in that. But like, you're just drawn to certain things, sure, sure. And that, and Target doesn't get to tell me what to be drawn to. I mean, right. so this doesn't actually confuse anything for me or, my, or for my kids. My parents, um, my parents were when i was when i was young and when my brothers and i were young they were you know they they tried to like not let us turn things into guns cuz they didn't want us doing violent things but then they eventually just realized exactly what you guys said that we basically would turn anything and everything into a gun even if they wouldn't buy us toy guns we're taking sticks we're taking yeah pieces of toast pop tarts everything's a gun Oh my! And and when I was yeah, my parents wouldn't buy me toy guns, and I I think it was mostly an excuse to not waste money on things. But it, it, rather than them worrying that I was going to be a violent kid, but my dad let me use all his his non power tools, and so we had this huge pile <laughs> behind our garage of like scrap lumber. So I would I would build like Tommy guns out of two by twos and 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 uh, you know slat boards and all this stuff, and like build myself an an arsenal of toy guns. 
So I was not only building things in a stereotypically boyish fashion, I was also building weapons in a stereotypically boyish fashion, and nobody showed me how to do that. I just did it because I wanted to because I was a boy. And my girls would never in a million years dream of doing that. I don't think I've ever seen my girls pretend to use anything as a gun. That's true. I don't think I have either. Magic wand, yes. Gun, no. Yeah, my girls are always turning me into stuff. Yep. With their magic wand. Um, Ted, have you heard anyone, like, is this even a talking point at, at Union at all? Dude, no, man. Nobody has mentioned it. Isn't it, <laughs> isn't it funny how just stuff, I feel like stuff just takes on this online outrage kind of thing? Where totally. When you get into real life, like, no one... No one's even talking about it. Dude, so, something like this was made for being online, though, because it is such a great headline, which, as Barnabas pointed out, really doesn't mean anything. But it's a great headline. You know, Target and, and gender-neutral toys. And, I mean, people are, people are sort of seduced by the, you know, the outlandishness of that headline when, it, when in fact, nothing really changes. Now, I, I feel like if, if Target's going to truly be gender-neutral, they should just throw all of their products in every department, like in a just in a pile, you know what I mean. There should be no delineation at all. So you you could get a pair of like, you know, vice grips and a, and a quart of ten W thirty and a Barbie, and uh, and the, and like a bath mat all in the same section, you know. If they're if they're going to be that's fair, Walmart. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you also get the flu if if it's Walmart. <laughs> oh goodness, man. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk about something else that is making a little bit of headlines. At least I I thought it was interesting. Um, I, if you're on social media at all, uh, you'll notice that, and we haven't talked about Drisky business for a mm. while, but uh, you'll notice that that one Mark Driscoll is uh, he's back online. He's he's blogging. He's tweeting. He's uh, he's sort of leading a Bible study through Ecclesiastes, and I believe he's getting ready to plant a church in Phoenix. Barnabas, are those details correct? Do you know? As, as far as I know, yeah, I'm, I'm actually on his website right now, which is markdriscoll.org, so let's uh, let's blow his site up. And no, yeah, he's, no, got, right he's got sermons on there from the last several weeks, so he's preaching somewhere. I don't know if it's a new church plan or what, but... Uh, it's an yeah, undisclosed so, location, I think. Yeah, he's he's sort of like he's sort of like the Bill Simmons of the preaching world, you know. Dude, left he is. Made, yeah, left he went and rogue. Organization, went rogue. <laughs> he's sort of independent. His Twitter account looks a little different than it used to, kind of like Simmons. Simmons has kind of turned into like the cranky old man on Twitter. Driscoll yeah. is more like the the sage prophet at this point. And uh, yeah, it's it's Did interesting you know what's funny to see the about, man. Uh, you know what's funny about Drisk, man? I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the the site now. He's gotten he's gotten way more stylish as the years have gone by. In that, like in the beginning, I feel like it was all like affliction and tap out T-shirts and like silver necklaces and stuff like that. And now he's all kind of Portlandia, you know? It's like layers upon layers yes. and like a, a like a vest yeah, over it's a, a vest sweater every time. over a yeah a vest, a sweater, a sport jacket, you know, another sport jacket. <laughs> He sort of he, he really enjoys the Reservoir Dogs look, that yeah. sort of like skinny tie, black, or I don't even know if they wore ties, but like the black suit, white shirt, like the Chuck Taylors along with it. Right. So it's yeah, he's uh, he's definitely not the the combat boots, black jeans, affliction T-shirt. He's not the yeah, like no, ult- he's sort of remade himself, man. He's a little less cage fighting, and yeah, a little more say. like he's not the ultimate you know, fighting pastor anymore. 
Yeah, he's a little more like veggie rap now, man. A little more, <laughs> a little more Portlandia about the whole thing. Uh, I will say this: like, I'm. We make jokes about it, but I really hope he successfully bounces back because, yeah, me I mean, too. for for his sake, for his family's sake, for his ministry's sake, because he, yes, a lot of people were hurt, and anytime you bring up Driscoll and don't say violent, hateful things about him, somebody will point out that some people got hurt. I know this, yeah. but but that doesn't mean that I wouldn't love to see him bounce back and have a, a better, more effective impact than he had previously. Because he is a gifted, gifted preacher. He is he's a brilliant man, and as far as I know, he's got a great family, and I would love to see all of them thrive. And so, if he comes back and and has sort of a a refined version of his former self. A, a gentler version, I, I would be so happy. I think it'd be great. Yeah, I think I love that attitude because I think you can go one one of a couple directions with this, but you some people are like they're already like on the Driscoll watch and they're like mapping his you know, it's it's almost like the, the Santa Claus watch where they're mapping his location and uh <laughs> but I I totally agree, like I hope I hope for the sake of for, of him, of the gospel, of his ministry, that he does come back and he comes back, you know, learning things that God has taught him. Because you're totally right. He's gifted. Um, I think it's a, I don't know, I just think it's a foolish attitude to just be like, oh, Driscoll, we got to keep him out of that. You know, you're deceived if you're following him. I mean, I just think if you're paying attention, just listen carefully to what he says. See if, you know, see what what God is doing in him. Um, so I don't know, Ted, how do you, how do you take the, the Driscoll comeback? Dude, Barnabas said it best, man. I mean, I wish the guy the best. I really do. Like I, I really hope, and you hope, you hope that for everybody. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the gospel is about, you know, making mistakes, sinning, not living a perfect life and, and being redeemed by Christ, man. And I mean, if, if people can, can, show the grace to welcome Mark Driscoll back with open arms, then I think it, it glorifies Christ and it, and it celebrates the gospel. And, and that's what we want to see done, man. And I think, you know, if you don't want to see that done, if you, if you, you sort of want to see Mark Driscoll twist and suffer more, like, I think you really need to check your, your spirit and the condition of your heart. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's entertainment at some level guys, which is why we're talking about it. But, um, but it's also, you know, it's a, uh, one of God's children, and and he's trying to put things back together. So you know, all the best to the guy. Now, what do you guys make of, um, like for example, I think it was last month or maybe the month before he was slated to speak at the Hillsong conference, and um, there was like a, a sort of an uproar. I think there might have even been a, been a petition to have him removed from the mm. docket, and he was. They they took him off the docket. Um, what do you guys make of that? I wonder if I, he still got some money. I mean, that, that, that's what I would ask if I got kicked off the docket. Am I still getting paid? But <laughs> I, I feel like it just it just fits people's sort of irrational outrage, like the outrage culture that we have where once a snowball is rolling, there's mm. almost no stopping it. And when it comes to people leaving the ministry, um, people don't uh, – they're never allowed back. Unless they go to some backwater where where people don't really know what happened and none of us have to pay attention to them, like so so for somebody to fall from prominence and in Driscoll's case it's an interesting case because it 
it wasn't sexually related, which tends to be the like the killer of all things ministry. And uh, and so it, it's just how come I get to be the arbiter of when somebody is is ready to be back in ministry? That's what I'm not quite sure of. I, I don't know if he's ready or not, but because I don't know, I shouldn't have definitive say. Yeah, and is, don't you guys feel like in some ways there's a sense where like people want to see – Almost like people want to see the guy punished a certain amount before mm-hmm. he's he's somehow done. It's almost like he has to do his time in jail. You know what I mean? Like he's except, gotta, except when people get out of jail, they're not really welcome back either. Like, yes, they did their time, but they're sure as heck not going to get a job. Yeah, that's true. And and so I mean, but that's a similar kind of thing. It's like, yeah, you're welcome to come back. Just don't expect anybody to trust you ever. Is kind of the attitude. And I don't. I understand that when trust is broken, it's very hard to rebuild, but it's a, it's, it's just a, it's an odd thing that we hold our trust so dearly that somebody we don't even have a relationship with, we just have this sort of vitriolic response to it. It's a strange phenomenon. I mean, that's, that's why I say I really want him to, to be able to come back just to, to prove to some haters that they need to shut up. I think that should be your tagline for your life. Prove to haters that they need to shut up. Yeah, that's that's that could be your ministry just in general. <laughs> Dude, I love it. I'll go with that. You exist, Barnabas Piper. Set. I can almost hear your dad saying it. Oh, thank you. Yes, let's bring him into this. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite. <clears throat> well, yeah, we do. I, I just feel like it's my job to constantly remind you that you've only gotten where you are because of riding the coattails of your dad. Well, that's that was uh, as far as I know. That was the last article that I was involved in at uh, at our dear friends at the Pulpit and Pen blog. They uh, they said I only have the job I have at Lifeway because of who my dad is. They don't really know what I do, etc. So I'm really glad I mean, you guys did, did, have me on this. I'm really glad did, you have me on this podcast because because I'm really pretty worthless anywhere else. Does everybody need to know what everybody does? I don't know what anybody does. You know what I mean? <laughs> like. I know that my friends work for certain places, but I don't know what they do, you know? The people who write that blog live in, like, rural Montana, which means that I think they just got electricity, like, four years ago. And uh, and so I'm not sure that they figured out what most of the world does. I'm trying, oh, to, I'm trying to find – when was the article about you? I'm trying to find it. Well, I don't know. I blocked them on Twitter and don't make it a point to go to that site. It's been a – it's – it was during the whole sort of Confederate flag thing. They mm. they wrote an article accusing me of liking felonies and uh, which you and do. included clearly. I love it. Um, and then included that as sort of their intro. So this guy who's nice. worthless except for his dad's last name loves felonies. That could be it. If if my tagline is convincing haters they need to shut up, that could be my bio. Man, these guys write like crazy. There's like, I think you could just drop the word like. And just they just write crazy. They, man, there's, <laughs> I'm just I keep scrolling and scrolling. I still can't find the article. Well, what well, I'll have to go and and search it up uh, <laughs> when you feel like taking your crazy pills. When I have some when I have some free time. Um, all right. Well, let's move on uh, to uh, we, we're going to do something. Uh, you know, I think most people when they think about being an author. You know, they think uh, it. They think it's glamorous. They think it's you know we get to do all the radio interviews. We get to talk to people. You know, Ted. I think people when they look at you, they see a life of glamour and ease. Well, and and they're right, largely. Yeah, you know? I mean, you're 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 living the the high life of the author. 
you're riding in limos. Uh, but, you know, I, what people don't see is just uh, they don't see behind the scenes of what it's really like to do a radio interview. And so we're going to – Ted, why don't you intro this segment a little bit for us? Tell us what we're going to do. Well, guys, what we're going to do today is uh, is an interview segment in which I interview both of you about your books. And uh, the, the stipulation being I have to give the worst interview questions ever. So uh, I have to act as though I'm the worst, least prepared radio interviewer. Uh, in the industry, which unfortunately uh, I've, <laughs> happens a lot, <laughs> it happens all the time. I've done many, many interviews with uh, with with these guys, so I feel like I'm pretty I'm pretty prepared for this. You know, I've done a lot of prep for this episode, so you're prepared uh, to be the the least prepared. Yeah, so if if you guys would, I mean, just kind of imagine with me that we're in a, we're in studio. Uh, you're very excited that you're you're authors and you've been asked to be on a radio program about your books. And uh, whenever you're ready, I'll uh, I'll get started. Okay. Yeah. Just real quick, what is this? What's your show called? Your radio show? Uh, man, you're putting me on the spot here. The Ted Cluck Hour of Power. Uh, I think it's got to be something like Sunshine in the Mornings with Ted Cluck. Sunshine in the Mornings with Ted Cluck. Sponsored by Pulpit and Pen, uh, <laughs> whatever, dot org. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I'm ready. Guys, welcome to Sunshine in the Morning with Ted Clock. It is a privilege today to have with me uh, authors Barnabas Piper and Stephen Altrogi. Man, I'm and, excited uh, to be here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, good, Stephen. I'm, I'm glad you're excited to be here. And uh, we're going to start with Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas, I see here that you've written a book called The Pastor's Kid. And let me uh, let me see if I get this name right. Uh, it looks here, uh, just reading your bio, like uh, your father's name is John, uh, John Piper. Uh, is that correct? It is correct. Yes, that is my father's name. <laughs> now tell me, what was it like growing up with John Piper? Um, it, it was a lot like having a dad who raised mm. me and, um, he was a pastor and some people knew who he was. And, uh, that's sort of where some of the ideas for the book came out of. Mm. Mm. Steven, I'm going to ask you, uh, I'm going to ask you a question about your book, uh, game day for the glory of God. This was a book about, uh, sports. Now I, I noticed that in terms of the look and feel of the book and even the content, uh, it's a lot like uh, another author, another favorite author of mine. It's a lot like Ted Kluck's book, uh, "The Reason for Sports: uh, A Christian Fanifesto." Uh, did you were you inspired in any way by that book? It, it, did you sort of co-opt some of the ideas or concepts? Talk about that. Uh, well, Ted, uh, it's funny that you should ask. Uh, my book actually came out first. Mm. Uh, before Ted's book, although I do believe Ted's material was written first because it showed up in Sports Spectrum. Ted's book is actually just sort of a compilation of stuff he had already written. Uh, so he he was sort of already wildly popular that the publisher figured <laughs> that they could already sell. It was yeah. sort of a, a double dipping money maker for him. Well, that's that's Ted Clark in a nutshell, you know. <laughs> Now, Stephen, I, I want to stay with you here, and I want to talk about a book that you wrote called Create. Um, now, I was under the impression that uh, <laughs> that, that book was written by um, John Acuff, and, and it, it looks here, I'm just looking on Amazon, and it appears that you wrote it. Um, talk about that. <laughs> well, uh, I did write it, actually. Uh, that's why my name is, that's why I'm the author. That's why uh, your name is on the cover in, like, four-point font. <laughs> Along yes. with the subtitle, can you can you just read the subtitle for me? Because I, I 
I literally can't even see it here <laughs> on the cover. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think the subtitle is Stop Making Excuses and Start Making Stuff. Ah, all right, all right. That uh, does sound oh. like a John Acuff title, actually. But I, I, I do want to just point out again, I, I, it seems like maybe, Ted, you're missing this. I, I wrote mm-hmm. that first before John wrote anything other than Stuff Christians Like. Now, so you're insinuating there that you are kind of the inspiration by John, uh, inspiration behind John Acuff's uh, work. Is that is that what I'm hearing? Well, I don't know if you would call me an inspiration or more of like a a distanced mentor. I would mm-hmm. say is probably mm-hmm. a better description of what I am to him. Uh, but I mean, you'll have to ask him about that. But I, I think he would agree. Now, Barnabas, let's uh, let's talk about your book, Help My Unbelief, mm-hmm. uh, Why Doubt is Not the Enemy of Faith. Now, define doubt. <laughs> uh, well, Ted, that, that's a, uh, it's a fairly, fairly difficult question. I would define doubt as, at its very basis, just being uncertain of something, just not knowing the answer. And so if you're uncertain... Uh, that's not necessarily right or wrong. It just means you lack complete assurance that something is or is going to happen. Mm. You know, I'm so glad you said that. And I'm so excited to have you on the program today, Barnabas. Uh, and I'm so excited to dig into this book. And the way that I would like to do that is to just have you read for me, if you would, each chapter title <laughs> and just explain a little bit about each chapter. Can you do that? Well, Let's Ted, start with chapter one. I, I would be thrilled to do that. Um, would you be willing to read the chapter titles for me, and then I could give you just a little blurb on each one? It'll, I think the listeners will really appreciate this. You, you know what, Barnabas? I would love to do that for you, except that uh, Amazon is not letting me see the table of contents page. Um, so we're going to have and- to take this out in post. All right. Well, we will. Uh, we'll have to. Well, let's. We can just. We can just make an adjustment on the fly. I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, Stephen, talk to me about uh, about your book, uh, My Friend, My Hero, My Dad. Well, I, uh, I wrote that book about my dad. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that's... Tell us about your dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, uh, he raised me kind of like Barnabas's dad. Mm. Uh, he was a you great... You know, they have so much in common. <laughs> You know, not to to hijack this, but I did get the uh, the t- the table of contents for Barnabas' book. If you'd like me to read those for him, yeah, why don't you? Okay, uh, Barnabas, chapter one is tension. Well, that is about uh, the tension between um, faith and doubt. I see. I like what you did with that that word choice there. That was good. Yeah, I I tried to paint a word picture with it. It's sort of a, a concise metaphor, if you will. Chapter two is what is belief? That is a question that the chapter goes on to answer. Now, what is belief? Now, I'm just going to skip to the end here because I think this is what we really want to get to. What is extras? Extras? Yes. Uh, that's like on a DVD when you go to the menu and you get like the outtakes or the additional endings. It's kind of like that, but in, in book form. Does this have, so, so this is like an alternate ending for your book. Yeah, it's like or like a, a choose your own adventure, if you will. I see. It's, so you get to kind of pick what version of belief is right for you. I see. Uh, sorry, Ted. Now turning it back over to you. 
Stephen, I'm uh, I'm just looking at your your impressive catalog here of books, and uh, I, I have a question. I'd like you to speak to this. Uh, my question is, where do you get all the people to review your books? <laughs> I, I just see that every book has a lot of reviews. And where do you do you have a list? Like, where do you get all the people? Because I, I feel like my part listeners of a are family. Yeah, exactly. Most, so most 14, of those... 15 of them are siblings, right? <laughs> I was going to say, most of them are my siblings. Okay. Uh, the other, the others are the people in my church who have a covering over me. Mm. Uh, and by covering over you, you mean a computer and an email address. <laughs> or Yeah, that. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what it was. Uh, no, I just have a lot of people who are very kind and review my books. Mm. Do you ask oh, them to do bright. it, or do nice they do it like out of the goodness of their own hearts? Oh, well, it's 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 both, or is it's, it a combination of both? It's a combination of both. I must. Mm. Say. Do you pay people to review your no. books? Okay, now you're getting personal. Dun, 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 dun. This is a scandal. No, I don't pay people to. Re- well, I mean, Ted, you accused him of plagiarism earlier. Uh, he plagiarized Ted Kluck's work. He yeah. um, he. It looks like there might be some overlap with John Acuff's work, and it just follows that he may he may pay people to say positive things about his books. Mm. I'm mainly wondering because I'm wondering why he's never paid me to say nice things about his books. Because, yeah, seriously, I would do that. Well, a couple couple reasons, because I know you guys will do it for free. I know Ted will do it in like 20 seconds or less. I'll do it without even looking at the book. <laughs> I just know. Over with. I which know. is a lot. Which is a lot like this interview. Yeah. Well, okay, let's, speaking of wanting it over with, uh, let's wrap up this interview and let's close out the podcast with a, with a couple new, uh, people left some reviews on our podcast, a couple new reviews. Oh, can I say something about reviews real quick? Yes. Um, so last week there was a gentleman who said he liked the podcast, wished it would be longer because he sits at work and listens to them all day. And, uh, I poked some fun at that gentleman. Well, I heard from him, sort of. Uh, I heard two things. One from us was from a couple other people who said, you'd be surprised how many people listen to podcasts all day. Uh, you're right. I would be very surprised. And to all of you, I meant no offense, but I still think that's kind of funny. And to the particular gentleman whose name I now know but won't share for his disclosure, uh, I hope I didn't call you any names, but I did find your review funny. So I just thought it was funny that we heard back from somebody who we had uh, poked a little bit I think it's I think it's awesome that we heard back from people yes. like – I, like honestly, and I say this with no sarcasm. I feel like it's kind of sad that I have to like preface a remark with that. <laughs> but I, I'm like super grateful for people that listen and review. Like there was a couple people on Twitter, like who they've mentioned like just how much they like the podcast, and I'm like, wow, that's I'm really grateful for that. Like that you even care to like tell us. I don't know. That just I think that's cool. It's a good thing that happens on Twitter. They do happen. Some good it things. Is. Okay, so a couple quick reviews. Um, Fred by Grace <laughs> says, uh, it's a fun listen. Five stars. I'm really enjoying listening to you guys. Thanks for sharing. Smiley face. Ooh, the thanks for, Ooh, sh- nice. thanks for sharing. That's like what I would say in small group whenever someone said something really bad. Thanks for so, sharing. F- Fred by Grace. Can we, can we parse that real quick? So is that like his name was graciously given to him? He exists by Grace. His mother's <laughs> name is Grace. All the above. Okay, good. All right, glad we nailed that down. Uh, next is Angie Grimet. So it seems like we have a, a female listener her, here, and she says, this is my <laughs> favorite podcast of all time. Also, wow. she, she is a very active uh, tweeter, 
and interactive on Twitter with us at the uh, at the podcast handle at Happy Rant Pod. So she's uh, that's a real person and not just not just Ted going on and writing reviews for us. It's, it's witty, interesting. Which is the thing I do. It's witty. Yeah, that's what you do in your spare time. You write reviews of podcasts. Witty, interesting, and smart. She says. And then here's one from Warrior Poet 06. Oh man, gotta love that name. Um, I'm a faithful subscriber to these guys. I enjoy Wasn't the that Drisky's handle that he got like <laughs> ra- savaged for not too long ago. Well, I mean, it would make sense because we talk about him a ton. So if he listens to us and loves us, it, it don't it only follows. Yeah, yeah. Dris- I'm sorry, Stephen Drisky, if you're listening. We love you, Warrior Poet 06. I'm a faithful subscriber to these guys. I enjoy the relaxed, comical, and insightful perspectives these fellas bring to the mic every week. And then this is good. I just pray Dave Ramsey doesn't lock them in the basement. Uh, (laughs) Because that that could really kill the mood of this thing. Cheers, guys. Keep up the good work. No, only John, only John Acuff's locked in the basement. We're good. Yeah, we're solid Dude, on that. Dude, Ramsey's basement is really sweet, though. I mean, we'd probably be living <laughs> better than we've ever lived in our lives if we were locked up down there. It's got you know? envelopes everywhere. Envelopes everywhere and flat screens and sweet furniture. It's all stuff that he bought on clearance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I'm super grateful for all the reviews. We're actually up to 93 ratings, uh, 85 stars. So if we could get to 100, I feel like we would have arrived. Mm. If we can get to 100 by next week, just go to iTunes, click, leave us a rating. It's super easy. Um, thanks for sticking around for the podcast. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention at the beginning, special thanks to Resonate Recordings for editing the podcast. Uh, uh, they They do podcasts they do sermons they're a great uh, company if you need just need help with your podcast need help with your sermon they they edit ours and i'm super grateful to them like them on facebook facebook.com slash resonate recordings ted I, I forgot to thank you for doing the interview it was Guys, a- no problem man it was my pleasure seriously thanks for being on my program now the one thing i was disappointed that you didn't do is ask mm-hmm. A question, and then use that question as a springboard to talk about something you had been waiting to talk about all. Oh, totally. Those are my favorite <laughs> interviews, actually. The ones where I don't have to talk at all, <laughs> where the host just asks and then answers their own question. I I really like the ones though where they make a statement and then just stop talking, and you're supposed to pick up where they left off. <laughs> That's you know, awesome, Stephen. I see you wrote a book here called Create. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, 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 I did, yep, now. I sure did. Confirmed. <laughs> All right, folks, thanks for sticking with us. Until next time, peace the heck out. Have you ever felt conflict between your faith and feelings? If so, you're not alone. My name's Carly Mercouillier. I'm a licensed therapist and the host of the Therapy and Theology podcast, where we explore popular topics and questions related to faith, feelings, and spiritual formation. I want to invite you to join me every Thursday as we fearlessly name the complexities of our reality, grow in the awareness of who we are, and rediscover the power and purpose of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. Subscribe today at lifeaudio.com.